Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The games of the 32nd Olympiad in 2020 are awarded to the city of Tokyo. Japan, Canada, Great Britain, Chile. And whites! Brilliant! China, Brazil, Zambia, the Netherlands. What a goal from Jim Sweden, USA, Australia, New Zealand. And Sweden are taking Team USA apart here in Tokyo. Hello, welcome along to the Offside Rule Olympics edition as we reach the business end of the Tokyo Games, as far as women's football is concerned anyway. The final whistle has not long gone in the second semi-final and we now know that Canada and Sweden will be fighting it out for the gold medal on Friday. On semi-finals day, we had the luxury of a break between kickoffs, which means for those of us that have been juggling multiple screens the last few days, we've been able to give our entire focus to all of the action. We haven't missed a single kick. And casting their eyes over today's two matches have been the ant to my deck, the bright to my daily... <laughs> The Risa to my Weigman. I'm not sure that one works as well. It's Kate Borsay. Hello, Kate. I don't think you're replacing me, are you? A bit like Risa and Weigman, but unless no. someone hasn't sent me a memo. Uh, I'm fine, Linz. How are you? I'm good. Although we have had a bit of baton passing between us yes, during this Olympics. True. So maybe it's that's true. why it, it does sort of cover us. Safely um, back together now. Yes. And after seeing her message that flashed up on my phone during the quarterfinals that just read, I'm so freaking pumped. <laughs> it's former Matilda and sport producer, broadcaster extraordinaire, Ish Ferguson, because I thought I'd get right in with the nicknames, Alicia. Thanks, Hoops. I heard that nickname for you, didn't I, just recently? <laughs> I'm, I was still so freaking pumped. I'm still so freaking pumped. I'm loving it. <laughs> You should be. Hey, we'll get on to all of that in just a moment. Now, if the quarterfinals were all about goals, both of you, these semi-final matches felt like they were all about caution. That's the word that I've used. You might have a different one, but only one goal in each game. What did you make of it, starting with Alicia? Um, I'd agree with you, Linz. Yeah, definitely caution, but that's what you have to do. You have to go out in these games to not lose, which sounds quite negative, but it's not. You um, have to do. To, you do need to take a very cautious approach and see where the game takes you, and that's exactly what we got. And that's because this is where there's so much at stake, right, Kate? What did you think? Well, I'll give you three words, and that is Canada surprise package. Um, I think they did really well. Well, they've won for the first time in, what, 20 years against the mm. USA? And that's why I say surprise package, because they've had a fairly good tournament, but they are getting better and better and tougher and tougher. And mm. Australia, look, I think three words for them, heads held high. Um, if I was them, I'd be going into that bronze medal match against a USA team that I don't fancy at all and really going for it, walking away with a medal, because they deserve it. 
Given I got the really tough end of the draw when it came to the sweepstake, I am actually going to jump in here and say at the very beginning in our preview show, I said Canada were ones to watch and that I described them as having the perfect setup. This doesn't happen very often though, Kate, as you know, we do these things. So when you get when you get something partially right, you want to draw attention to it. Um, I just said that they had a, a really great mix of that youth and experience. And I wonder if that's something that you think has played a part, Alicia. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they're bronze medalists coming into this Tokyo Olympics. So it's not like... Canada Twice over. A surprise. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. no, but so, I think you know, it is, I, though. Yeah, look, I, I understand it. They're almost like they fly under the radar, don't they? They're the ones that are the almost, the almost haves, the almost haves and maybes. But um, look, they've got... they rem- Look, Canada and Australia, I feel like, are very similar in the fact that you know, we're, we're kind of forgotten a lot of the time. People discount us for the technical and tactical awareness and stuff like that. But the belief, the resilience continues to grow with these teams. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what a monkey off their back to beat the USA in a semifinal and Olympics finally um, mm. and kind of shaking their fists at them going, yeah, see, we can beat you. How about that? How do you like them apples? Um, and, look, it was, it was a really <laughs> resilient, tough performance by Canada and they're a difficult team to break down. They're a difficult yeah. team to beat. Okay, well, we'll get right into it then. We'll go in chronological order today and start with World Champions USA going up against their North American rivals, Canada, that we've just touched on. This is how that semi-final played out. This the biggest decision of these Olympic Games. She's checked it, and it's a penalty to Canada. Running against the substitute goalkeeper. And it's brilliantly executed, and Canada are ahead. There you have it, Jesse Fleming's penalty on 73 minutes and what a penalty it was. It was the only thing to separate these two sides. Canada, who've previously won two bronze medals in Olympic Games, reached their very first Olympic final. Uh, I think we start by saying that this contest, it felt like one to lower the heart rate, if anything, if you get my drift, Alicia. Uh, Yeah, of course. Look, it's one of those things, like I said, as a player, going into these, there's so much at stake. I think caution is definitely the mindset especially in the first 45 minutes of any of these games, that it's not to concede, not to lose the game in the first 45 minutes, so especially for Canada against the USA, who are world champions. And again, they haven't beat them in a hell of a long time. So there is a lot at stake. But I thought they did really well. They were compact. They made it difficult for the USA. On the flip side, I still don't think the USA are very impressive at the moment. They just can't get themselves together, can they? There is no fluidity to any of their play. It just seems so disjointed. But again, not taking anything away from Canada because I thought there was really good performances across the pitch. And I thought, you know, Jesse Fleming, still one of the youngsters in that team, but still extremely experienced, took a great penalty under immense pressure, 73rd minute. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice to see an upset, isn't it? It's really Mm. nice to see an upset. Look, I make notes throughout matches and I'm not an over note taker, if that makes any sense. I just tend to write down a couple of bullet points. And for the beginning of this match, there were these words. I'd put physical, I'd put Kelly O'Hara, so much room down the right flank. And then it felt, Kate, like the first thing that really happened of note was the goalkeeper injury. If you can just talk us through what your take on that was, because the comms, you could hear so clearly what 
what the different benches were saying and Canada's bench were like, test the goalkeeper, test the goalkeeper. Mm. Yeah, well, there was a clash with, um, wasn't there with Alicia Nair around 20 minutes. Uh, she picked up a knee injury. She wanted to carry on, although uh, the subkeeper, Adriana French, was sort of warming up and we thought that that, that was going to happen, but she stayed on and the first time uh, she did a goal kick, she winced in pain and she came off. So therefore, you've then got uh, a goalkeeper who's not had a run out at all at this tournament on for the US. Um, so that didn't help them. Um, I think my kind of initial notes on them, I mean, obviously looking at selection, Alex Morgan started, Lynn Williams started, Tiana Davidson at the back as well. She's quite a young player and she was taking their corners. So they'd kind of made the set piece change as well. So I was interested to see whether that would do anything for them. And it didn't really. I mean, the first 30 minutes, USA had the better possession, but they just didn't connect. They didn't make anything of it at all. Um, I thought that they were sort of narrow at times. They just, they just didn't seem to exploit the space like they did under Jill Ellis. And that and that could also be something to do with, you know, age or fatigue. But yeah, I got I got really frustrated watching them again. I got frustrated after hearing that bellowing remark of test this goalkeeper, you know, this is the first tournament experience for her. As a former player, Alicia, what was your take on that? The fact that Canada, they were defending so well, but they weren't testing at that point. No, of course not. But um, what Kate said about, you know, O'Hara having that, Kelly O'Hara having that space down the right-hand side, because Canada just wanted to make the whole centre of the pitch so compact and make it difficult for the USA to break them down through the middle of the pitch... I still there were and there's been changes to this team and there's been but you know I I still think I wasn't sure that the starting lineup was the most you know the most impactful against Canada. I don't know. I just feel like there's you know when you re- you remember the US teams really successful teams and there's never any changes to the starting mm, yeah. lineup. It's like the starting 11 is it. And there's no questions. But that's what you get when you take older players out there. You you, you basically have to make changes. If you want to take that many over 30s, you have to make changes. Yeah, but those changes, you need to make sure that those changes are standing up to the experience and the quality of those over 30 players. And I'm not saying all of them. I definitely think like Carly Lloyd shouldn't be a starter. I think Pino should have played. uh, So Megan Rapino should have played a bigger role because every time she came on, she definitely made a difference. But giving her half an hour in games where they're trying to catch up and stuff like that. And even just she's won things as the experience. I, I can't like Sammy Mewis, I think is a better option to Lindsay Horan. That's my personal opinion yeah. in midfield. I'd agree with that, yeah. That's just me. Kristen Press also has been exceptional in their warm-up games, and then she doesn't start this game. And I just think against a Canadian defence, like I just don't think he got it right. I don't think it was it, right. And it, it was really, really lacklustre. And I have to say that the standout things for me all happened during the halftime break. And that was when Farrah <laughs> Williams was caught saying, can I go for my break or uh, can I go for a break now? Or uh, I love that. And then you heard the microphone clunk down yeah. on the table. Yeah. And I thought, I, and, and I just thought to myself, I hope the microphone stays there and it's not anything plugged to her and she's gone to the loo or something. Oh, ongoing audio issues there. And then superhero music. The music at halftime. Wow. I, I expected like the Avengers to come out of the tunnel afterwards. Um, but hey, you know, they did in a, in a respect because this um, this team, they made changes. And it's like you said, Alicia, you don't expect the changes to be this early on for a USA side. But Carly Lloyd incoming, Rapino incoming, Press, who you've mentioned. So those changes were made and it was very early on in the second half. 
They were, and I, I always, it's interesting, like, because it's, it's very rare that um, a coach will make three changes at once. So it's, you know, I'd, I'd love to find out a bit more about Endonovsky's, like, tactics in this tournament, because it's definitely trying to impart his own style on this. Yes, um, he still and, remains and, a puzzle to me, for sure. Remains, yeah, remains a puzzle, and I'm, I'm intrigued, and I've, I've already, like, yeah, working out who I can get my little, like, insight into. Because <laughs> Report I just, back. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just, it is fascinating. Because, you know, when you're in football, and you, we always think this, like, whatever seems obvious isn't usually that obvious. And so I just think, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna say I'm going to be blatantly honest where I think he got it wrong and he didn't get it right enough, enough times. Um, and that's what has cost the US. However, saying that, they're still playing off for a bronze medal, so they haven't had a completely disastrous tournament, but in their standards, it probably is. But, but they yeah. just don't look themselves. I mean, we've, no. we've sort of said this before. Do you know, interestingly, there's a piece up on The Athletic by the Japanese football legend Yuki Nagasato. She plays a football over in the US now. I think she must be, what, 34, 35 or so. And before this game, she said the United States needs to have fun and enjoy the moment, not react to the match. Maybe there's some tension, but the US doesn't look like they're having as much fun as usual, and I don't know why. And I think she's got a really good point there. They don't look like they're having fun at all. They don't have those sort of heads held high, broad shoulders, that almost cockiness that in we've the, seen in, in other the second tournaments. Half, though, Kate, they did have their moments. And I know that you like to credit goalkeepers here, but there was this uh, period from 65 minutes round about to 72. You had Carly Lloyd with that shot that was tipped over yes. with one hand. You had Julia, so header from a corner. Haran, um, Lindsay Arango had that great chance. It was a really And they definitely header. applied more pressure, but let's credit Canada for soaking up a lot of that pressure. And Labe with her saves, I think some credit has to go in her direction. She's been great, hasn't she? She's been absolutely great. Um, and Gilles as well, you know, how awesome a defender is she? There's some great stats actually about her defensive mastery I've put in my note here. So Vanessa Gilles, 19 clearances in this match, six more than the entire USA women's team and that represented 45% of the entire Canada clearances 23 um, for the rest of the team so she was so important in this game and soaking up a lot of pressure for Canada it worked for them because then came the penalty decision Alicia uh, and I think one of the things that I want to respond to, not only Jessie Fleming and how she put that penalty away, I'd love to get your take on that, but also the fact that she's come out afterwards and said that when Christine Sinclair handed over the ball, that had been decided the night before. She knew she was going to take it if that if that situation arose. Yeah, I mean, a definite penalty. I think Davidson was definitely caught out there. Um, and clumsy, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was clumsy, absolutely clumsy. But hey, VAR got it right for once. Yay! Yay for the AR Um But, you know, Jesse Fleming stepped up and I was talking to Kaz Carney about this. We were talking about uh, penalty takers. We're both right-footed and how difficult it is. And we're talking, this is getting into a very nerdy technical thing, but women who, you know, we talk about the width of our hips and our V angle, which means we're more prone to ACLs and things like that, which also means we're, it's a lot more difficult, depending on your run-up, to open up your body if you're a right-footer to hit it into the right-hand side as you're looking at it, so the keeper's left-hand side. And as Jessie Fleming actually stepped up and set up for her run-up, I went straight away, yep, she's definitely putting it to the keeper's left and she's going to spank it in. And she she absolutely executed it perfectly. But it is one of those things, we've seen a lot of penalties in this tournament where players have tried to open up, but if you get it slightly wrong, 
what you're doing, if you're trying to hit it into the left side of the goal, your momentum is always going forward because you're hitting it across you. But when you hit it into the right side of the goal, you kind of step and like hit away from it. And so if you don't hit it properly, then you lose that momentum. But she absolutely nailed it. There wasn't that much more for us to talk about after that penalty. I think you have to say the resolute defending from Canada was, was brilliant. Ashley Lawrence, Kate, how yes. ice cool was she? Very good indeed. Again, another good performance from her as well. And I think a lot of these Canada names will be sort of coming into our remits, you know, certainly for those um, for those sort of populous women's football fans. A lot of them won't have heard of a lot of this uh, Canada team. Jessie Fleming, of course, plays for Chelsea. We know about her. But yeah, I think... Um, I think a lot of them will come out of this tournament absolutely flying, absolutely flying, and rightly so. A couple of stats to leave you with. Um, that was Canada's first win over the US in 20 years. And Bev Priestman, who's in charge of Canada, the only female head coach remaining in the competition going into these semifinals. And she now becomes the first English manager to reach an Olympic football final since George Rayner led Sweden uh, to the final in 1948. And that was courtesy of Asif Buran on Twitter. I thought I'd pick that one out. Uh, fi- final word, though, for uh, Alicia Tapino, uh, because Rapino said... Uh, we need to perform better, period. Uh, she always fronts up, though, doesn't she, afterwards? Yeah, of course. And she's always honest in her assessment. And she is absolutely spot on. They didn't perform up to the USA standards and they got punished for it. So she's, as I said, she's spot on. Athletic podcast listeners and especially fans of the Totally Football Show, here's some exciting news if you're that way inclined. The Totally Football Yearbook is the definitive chronicle of the not particularly easy to say 2020-2021 season and it will look absolutely ravishing on your bookshelf. It will have features, season reviews, stats, quizzes and plenty more plus a foreword from Jamie Carragher and lots of the good stuff from your favourite athletic writers including Nick Miller, Rafa Honigstein and James Horncastle and people like Daniel Storey, Duncan Alexander and Julian Laurent from Team Totally. The Totally Football Yearbook is out on August the 5th and you can pre-order your copy wherever you get your books today. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Well, before we move on to the other game, uh, Kate earlier caught up with Steph Young, women's football writer for The Athletic, to discuss some of the fallout. Well, let's reflect then on that heavy loss for USA, but Canada are in the final of an Olympic tournament. How great's that? Steph Young, women's football writer for The Athletic, joins me. Um, Do you hide the fact that you're a closet Canada fan, Steph, or are we just going to out you now? (laughs) Uh, no, I think I'm fairly open about it on Twitter, where at the very least, I, I can give credit to a good Canadian job, a good scouting job from Bev Priestman and a good defensive performance. Yeah, let's talk about that then, where it went wrong for the USA and right for Canada. I mean, I think USA sort of typified where they've been for most of this tournament so far. They looked tired, they looked tight, they weren't really playing much of the width for me at all. They just they just didn't play well, did they? 
No, it's interesting you mentioned they didn't play the width because that's where they had to go. Canada plays, I think I mentioned before, a 4-4-2 diamond, and they really try to constrict that midfield range centrally. The United States is being forced out. I don't know if you've seen the stats on the crosses, but they were having to resort to tons of crosses, but no targets. We saw them open up a little bit in the second half. They got the ball on frame. But I think the very first shot on goal for the United States was like the 64th minute. Yeah. And it was a pretty good one. Carly Lloyd got it on target. Steph LeBay had to tip it over, but that's not a good sign, right? 64 minutes in and your first shot on goal comes. So after that, a little bit better, not enough. You know, VAR gives Canada maybe the little boost that they need. And here we are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you think the US will be digesting this? I, I mean, I know that, that their style typically is to kind of not really discuss the losses and just move on to the next thing that they can win. But this tournament for them has been, well, it's been such a puzzle, hasn't it? They'd failed to win in just four times in 44 games leading up to the Olympics. At the Olympics, they've only really won one of five games convincingly. The other one had to go to pens. They've just not been USA at all. So where do they go from here? I think after this tournament, there will be a massive postmortem where it might get turned into a case study, honestly, for them on how to peek into a tournament. You look at other teams like Australia, even though they just lost to Sweden, which I think was kind of an unfair result. Um, they're a team that has grown into the tournament. So their staff has like, I think really managed them really well, despite the fact that they're now playing for bronze. Hello, United States. Mm. Um, I think this will be something that the staff will be looking at. Multiple reporters now, right, have asked players, what's going on? You guys look just, you just look bad. You know, not, perhaps not quite that bluntly, but the the players all themselves are acknowledging, yeah, we played badly and they can't or won't say why. So I think there is going to be a big internal to-do after the Olympics where they examine, they go over it with a fine-tooth comb, like, what happened? Something like cascaded through the team because they're all bad. Some of them, Some of them are competent right now, but everybody is looking kind of not great. Yeah, there's a question, of course, about the age of the squad. Um, they are still playing for bronze, of course. Um, let, let me just address that first. How up for that game are they going to be? I think very up for that game. I mean, this is your last chance to leave Japan with a little bit of dignity, right? Yeah. They they know they've played badly throughout this tournament. They They know that everybody's seen it, and they want to come out with some kind of result, something definitive, something to build off of. For the future, obviously, after this, you kind of go into that cycle in between the Olympics and the World Cup. COVID pushed it a year, so the World Cup's a little closer than it might normally be. But yeah, you want to come out of this with with something to digest. Maybe it's a little less urgent because you do have that gap. But they've all got their pride. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of looking forward to the future, I mean, uh, easy. <laughs> It probably isn't as simple, but I guess one thing that many people are going to be saying is they're going to be talking about the legacy of that team and how, you know, some of those players are getting on a bit. Um, you would question where the team goes because those players are just going to get older. So are we talking about something of a revolution needing to happen here to, to kind of bring in a wave of young players? I'm sure they're out there. It's just that we've not seen them in this tournament. Enough of them. No, they're out. Yeah, we haven't seen them, but they're out there. They've already have, you know, Katarina Macario. I'd love to see her in the bronze medal game. Why not? Mm. You know, um, get her that big game experience because clearly you want her 
to be your pl- one of the players of the future. We've got some players in NWSL. Mitch, um, Mitch, think- we we, we, uh, uh, yeah? we talked about Mitch, didn't we, the first time we spoke in our yeah. preview pod? What about Mitch? But I th- Midge is one. I think you want to look at Emily Fox, who's at uh, Louisville and is doing very interesting things. They're trying to ask her to be more than a do-everything fullback. I don't know if you guys have watched any of the club games, but she's being asked to take on the responsibility of literally like crossing the entire field diagonally as a fullback <laughs> and like making that attack for Louisville. And I think this is her rookie season. So she's one I think the United States is going to be looking at. Naomi Gurma in the defense, you know, to, we don't want to think about it, but Becky Sauerbrunn, this might be her last tournament. Megan Rapino got asked multiple times and she was like, you guys are already trying to put me out to pasture. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, we can kind of all see it even accounting for, it was 85% plus humidity tonight in the game. Players were coming off, their jerseys were completely like just wet, not even kind of like damp, wet. Dishcloth wet. It was disgusting. Yeah. And even accounting for that, some of these players looked, you know, the legs are going. Yeah. Let's talk about Bev Priestman, uh, still just in her mid-30s. And you can see after the team talk in the quarterfinal um, how she was saying, right, next one, let's go and win the next one. And you're sort of sat there thinking, you're up against the USA. That's going to be really, really hard. But again, at the end of this game, she was like, right, let's go on and do it now. And you can see that the mental strength of these players, instilled by Bez, by Bev Priestman, I'm sure, but they they are looking so good at the moment in terms of that strength. Yes, they are. They're They're looking like they're not afraid of anybody. Um, obviously they're under a lot of pressure and they're probably feeling in it, but she does have them sticking to the plan. She's like, this is the plan. If you execute it, you know, we'll maybe we'll, we'll get a result and they're, they bought into it and it's working. It's working. Nothing helps you more than that feedback loop of we did it. It worked. We do it some more. It works. And they've done it consistently throughout the tournament. They haven't really switched up tactically. They know what their strengths are with their personnel and they're sticking to it. Mm. And after seeing Sweden, Australia, Sweden through to the final, they'll meet Canada there on Friday. Where's your money at for that? Because Sweden weren't, I mean, they got the job done in the end today, but they weren't amazing. They looked under pressure. They looked a bit a bit sort of under the weight of expectation. Where do you put this on Friday? Mentally, I think, yeah, maybe Sweden is coming into this on the the downslope and Canada's hitting them on the the upswing. So that could be a factor. I do think it was pretty unlucky for Australia not to walk away with the win on this one. But, you know, what can you do? The ref's call is the ref's call. There's nothing you can do about it. You have to play the game mm. that's presented to you. So, yeah, I think that actually that result is maybe one of the better things that could have happened for Canada because, as we said, Australia is growing into this tournament. If they win over Sweden, even 1-0, they, I think they looked more you know, aggressive uh, playing through this game and just brighter, but better legs, sort of. So yeah, if I'm Canada watching this game, I'm thinking maybe I got <laughs> the better side of the draw here. What do you think, though, Steph? What's your prediction for the final? Oh, no. <laughs> I hate making predictions when I have an emotional stake <laughs> because, you know... If I'm wrong, then obviously it was my fault. Yeah. Right. I, well, on paper, to we've got to mouth. say up to today, we've got to say Sweden. But Canada, it, it basically swings much more to Canada than it did a game or two ago, right? So, yeah. <laughs> it, 
Yeah. I, so on paper, I still think it's Sweden. If Canada wins, even with everything we talked about with momentum, I still think that's an upset a little yes. bit. Yes. But I think it'll be they'll give them a tough game at the very least. Um, it, I think honestly, it depends on Sweden. Canada has nothing to lose. They've already done the whole thing with Priestman changing the color of the medal. They did it. So obviously they're competitors. They want gold, but a little bit is kind of like, okay, it's gravy now. We did it. Yeah. We got to the final. Kate with Steph Young from The Athletic. Uh, on to the other match then. And in the other semifinal, Australia took on Sweden in the Olympic Stadium in Tokyo. Angledell deflected shot here, which gives Micah a problem. It's come back off the bar. There's Blackstenius and Rafa hooks it in. Advantage Sweden. The Swedes, silver last time, will go for gold once more. It ends here. Australian nil, Sweden won. Just the one goal in this other semi-final too. Again, it came in the second half, but not long after the break. Rolfer with the crucial touch to guide the ball into the net after a deflected long-range effort caused all sorts of problems. What do you think the assessment is for this? Did Sweden defend brilliantly and execute a perfect game plan? Were there any nerves on show? What was your initial gut reaction to things, Alicia? Um, yes, agree with your first one. Sweden... I think this was a fair assessment of the game. I think the Aussies can hold their heads high on this. I think Sweden defensively were exceptional. Um, you could definitely see signs of fatigue with the Aussie team coming off the back of uh, extra time. You know, there were question marks over whether Tony Gustafsson was going to rest Sam Kerr. So that just tells you, you know, most of the majority of this team has played all the games and the humidity and the heat is really taking its toll. It's very, very difficult to back up and rehydrate yourself and get your body ready when you've only got essentially what is like two and a half days in between games. But, you know, a shame. I, th I think Tegan Micah also did excellent on that deflected shot anyway because that was going in. Um, and mm. the fact she was able to tip it onto the bar and then, I mean, Rolfo, I mean, she has to be close to the player of the tournament. She had that shot in the, was the first Oh, the crossbar. Rattled, yeah, rattled yeah, yeah. the crossbar. I mean, she she is having an exceptional tournament. I mean, what a great player. She, she loves a long-range shot, doesn't she? So it, she was she? on the edge of the D outside yeah. the box. And yep. that crossbar was still rattling a few moments yeah. afterwards, wasn't it? She's also been really well supported, though. And that's the beauty of this Sweden team, isn't it? Whether you're looking at Caroline Sagar, who's just who's been awesome for Sweden. She's on a 220th cap in this game. She's now the 10th most capped international footballer of all time. But, you know, crucial for Australia was, was to try and snuff her out. And I think they actually did that fairly effectively in this game. My note is that it was a pretty poor first half for Sweden. They looked tense. They looked like the weight of it was on them a little bit. And in contrast to that, Australia looked relaxed, happy to be there, just looked much more comfortable than Sweden did. And that and that that actually surprised me in that first half. Yeah, absolutely. I think also well, I need to give credit to Sweden. I mean, they were giving away a lot of fouls, but Magdalena Eriksson and who else is at the back there, Bjorn, they were giving away a lot of fouls because they were so tight up the backside of Kaya Simon, Sam Kerr, were not willing to allow the Aussie players to get the ball into mm. feet and then to turn and run at them. And they were willing to give up those like niggly little fouls close to the halfway line to break up play. And that's where I think on the whole assessment of the whole game, Sweden have been excellent in this tournament and you can see how they've changed their tactics slightly with each game. 
and they they deserve to win this game. I'll, I will say it. I think Australia put up a really resilient um, opponent, but they that we didn't really we didn't look like we were creating too much, did we? It was, it was I, well. I actually a, thought there, there was a key moment there was a couple, in the game. Wasn't there? Yeah, there was yeah. Couple, yeah. And and there also you look at timing in matches, Alicia, and you'll know how crucial yeah. this is. But just before half time, that mm. Kerr goal, which I just I didn't understand why no. it wasn't wasn't standing. Apparently, I mean, barely yeah. any contact, but apparently a foul in the build up that could have yeah. that could have absolutely turned the game on its head. Yeah, and look, I, yeah, we that should have been a goal. That should have been a Sam Kerr goal. I was looking back at the replays. I was trying to see what would happen. There may have been a bit of contact, argy bargy. Personally, I don't think there was enough. The referee decided there was, but also she did blow her whistle very, very quickly. And you do have to think it was as soon as Steph Catley and struck that ball, as she blew, the referee blew her whistle, and maybe that allowed the Swedish defenders to just step off a little bit and give Sam that extra yard. I'm, I'm trying to think of it as from a player's perspective. Um, I don't think it was a foul in the first place, and the goal should have stood. But um, yeah, again, they're, they're those crucial moments, those game changers. But then coming out straight after half time, conceding a goal like that, then you know you're up against it against a Swedish team. No doubt that this was the better of the two semi-finals. Yes, for sure, for sure, because we were killing ourselves at one point during the USA Canada game, weren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that's um, not too much drama. Enlighten us, Alicia, on, on Sweden and, and these two banks of four that they play with, because it feels impossible. You know, if you're Canada going into this, how do you break those two banks of four down? Uh, look, they're they're compact, they're organised, they're playing really well, and I get the thing with. Um, Canada that they need to think about is what Sweden are doing so well is their transition from defence to attack. They did it a couple of times. We've seen them do it time and time again through, through this tournament with Black Stenius, with Rolfo, if they and even Aslani. Once you give the ball away cheaply in front of them rather than in behind them, they have these outlets where they can then turn and run at you very quickly. And that's the, that's the biggest danger for Canada. Um, and that's actually what the USA usually have but actually haven't had in this tournament they haven't had that transition and that potency of their transition so that's going to be a tough ask uh, for Canada but you know what Canada again they frustrate teams they're compact they're resilient it's not going to be easy and I think I do think again you know set pieces are crucial for both these teams because they're both very strong defensively and attacking wise with set pieces um, a word as well on the viewing figures um, for the Matildas. Um, what have you heard from, from back home, Alicia, in, in regards to these games and how caught up in it everyone's been? Hugely caught up in it. The fantastic thing is that the Matildas are the most popular sporting team in Australia, and that's not the most popular women's Even after the netball? Well, before the netball. We are the, yeah, the Matildas. Before the netball, we are the most, and this is across men's and women's sport. This isn't the most popular women's team. This is the most popular team. And I think getting, what, 2.26 million or whatever it was, watching that quarterfinal um, is exceptional. And, and it's great leading into having a, a joint home World Cup with New Zealand as well. It's fantastic. Have you, Lynn's had a gutted moment for Team GB over the last few days? Just hearing Alicia, you know, talk about the pride of Australia there. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Um, it. Do, I mean, yes, perhaps, perhaps perhaps we shouldn't dwell on it for too long, but I, I, I'm you still know, genuinely had, gutted about GB. My reaction, actually, I was gutted for Team GB, but it's the one time that I felt more gutted for an individual than I did for the whole team, and that was Ellen White. I, I, um, yes. I feel, I feel more gutted for her. Um 
And it's a strange feeling because I've come away from pretty much every other major tournament where it was the whole team and you you just feel like heartbreak. Feeling a bit sick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I felt it more for her this time. So this bronze medal match then, Alicia, uh, it's going to be 9am on Thursday morning against USA. And they haven't been the team that we've we've all been fond of over recent years and tournaments. They, They don't seem to be their former selves at the minute. So have Australia got a good chance? Yeah, absolutely. Even after that nil-nil, not just the nil-nil draw that we had with them, but yeah, of course, this isn't the USA that we've seen the the potency and the how difficult they are to beat that we've seen in past years. So there's a huge opportunity. But then, like I've said previously, the thing that scares me about the USA is when they have one bad result, then their bounce-back ability of like going, right, that's it, and they're, they're – single-minded attitude about not leaving the Olympics with a medal, you still can't discount that mentality that they have. And also, we still look at their players, depth of squad. They've still got a fantastic depth of squad. They just need to get the right combinations right. And I don't think they did that today, but, I, you know, they're not too far off still having a very, I'm, very difficult I'm just going to gonna, Yeah, I mean, you're being way too polite for an Australian. I think I'm just going to call it for Australia, this one. I just just, just think USA do not know where they're at at the moment, and I don't see how that's going to change in the course of a few days. So for me, the bronze medal is and should be Australia's. Thanks, Kate. Yeah, I think I think USA as well probably would want to go down in the history books as as pretending that they weren't even there rather than being (laughs) listed as bronze. Gold medal then, Canada against Sweden – is anyone seeing past Sweden for this title and this gold medal? I I really struggle to, actually. As much as I think Canada have done brilliantly, um, I, I don't think they'll get the better of Sweden on this one. No, I'm, I'm with the Swedes, I think. I think on performance and consistency throughout this tournament, I think they should get the measure of Canada. Um, so here we go. Canada will win 2-1 based on that assessment. Yeah, I think I think Sweden will learn a bit from not having a great first half today. And ultimately, I think they probably have the talent and the and the organisation within the way that they set up to beat Canada. I think I think Canada will be chuffed to be there. And this is not a condescending thing to say at all because they've been brilliant. But I think Sweden just have that extra level. They are the only side as well not to go to extra time. Could it actually happen in this final? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. I mean, it looked like it could have gone to extra time, I think, even today. even um, Yeah, in both games, I think. Because there wasn't a lot, you know, it wasn't as high scoring as we have seen. But um, I I think Canada are just going to, you know, continue on being very honest. Being very honest to their, like Kate said, to their abilities and and their style of play, they're going to go out first and foremost to not lose in the first half, to not concede silly goals, to keep it really compact, to frustrate Sweden, to try and like nullify any of their attacking threats. And then once you get to half time, anything can happen. And then you start getting into the mental side of the game where Sweden are thinking, oh, right, how are we going to break them down? We haven't been able to create too many chances. So I think it'll it'll be quite a cagey affair for the final. So the gold medal match is at the National Stadium. If you want to get up in the UK to watch this, it's an early riser, 3am. I used to do radio shows 
um, once upon a time, Alicia. <laughs> and they tried to sell me the fact that 2 till 6 a.m. was early breakfast. So maybe we could say it's early breakfast, 3 a.m. on Friday. I don't I don't normally go to bed until 3 a.m. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I know. We I might know. have to make up some secret pact between us to maybe maybe it. delay it in our heads for an hour or so. Look, maybe. look, it's, it's a Friday, Linz. Come on. It's like Friday. We all want to watch a gold medal match at 3 a.m. on a Friday and then just continue on <laughs> to your weekend. You're all good. If not only to see as well who wins our sweepstake, there is a head-to-head going on. Abby, who managed to pick Sweden conveniently in our sweepstake on the pod, uh, against Kate. You got Canada. I, I'm actually. I, I mean, I never win anything, so this will probably go the same way. But I, but I am. I'm so thrilled to have made the final. Before we wrap up, I did have time to catch up with Mia Eriksson, who's a Swedish football journalist, to preview the final on Friday. Mia, thank you very much for joining us on the Offside Rule. Um, I wanted to find out, first of all, what the immediate reaction was to that performance, that Swedish performance. Yeah, I'm still kind of sweaty (laughs) since that. But (laughs) I I think it's, uh, you know, I I just thought that it's a cruel tournament. You know, uh, they play so tight schedule and everything. And and then the performance, uh, yeah, kind of dropped a bit, uh, maybe. Uh, as a Swede, you you, you kind of sat and just uh, uh, with the, your breath high uh, all the time. Uh, but obviously, very very happy for Sweden that they were they went into the game as favourites and they managed that. So very happy. And it wasn't just Sweden that were having a cautious approach in these semi-finals. I think that was across the board. Um, it does feel like just taking a gauge of social media and reactions to the women's football at the Olympics, that Sweden have been the team that have been the most consistent. And many saying, you know, from that first result against USA onwards, they have been the team that have earned this place in the final. Is that how you're feeling? Yes, I I, I do. I, I think they, they earned this because they've been performing so consistently, you know, over since, I mean, they have a lot of medals uh, in in championships and big tournaments and and uh, I mean that that must say something, right? I think sometimes as well when you assess uh, team performances, um, often there are a few individuals that shine. And today, and I, and I probably think in the last round as well, Rolfa has been one of those players. Um, are there other individuals that are getting more press in Sweden than others? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them have has been signed by clubs outside Sweden ahead of this tournament so of course it's a lot of media on them and and also players that are rumored to go uh, mm-hmm. I mean Stina Blackstenius has been has been brilliant uh, she had a, a bit of a rough time um, after she went abroad the first time after playing very good in Linköping uh, and now it feels like she's really back to perform uh, on this big stage. Uh, would one criticism be the first 20 minutes of this semi-final, there were some nerves on show and then taking that forward into the final, they are going to be the favourites. How do you think Sweden cope under pressure? I think they cope well, I must say that. But since if we're going to watch the back line, he, he, he didn't play the same back line 
until this game, actually, uh, from the game before. And then we have a player like Natalie Björn, who hasn't been playing regular for Sweden in the backline before. Uh, she has been playing uh, in the midfield and she hasn't been a clear starter. Um, and then, I mean, obviously it must, uh, it must affect them uh, in some way. Uh, but overall, I think they know what they're there, there to do. Uh, and they, they did it. And what are they to do in this gold medal match, do you think, to, to get the better of Canada? What are, the, what are the biggest threats from the Canadian team? I think it's kind of obvious because in, in some way, I must say that Canada put on a very solid defensive uh, display today and uh, in their quarterfinal as well. Um, so it's up to Sweden to break that down because I, I, I don't think that Canada has been that threatening going forward yet. Uh, while Sweden has been clinical when they get their chances. Can you uh, paint a picture for us finally, Mir, of, of what a gold medal would mean for Sweden and how you think the, the nation would react to that? I think it's been a little bit in the media about the fact that our Swedish national team for women hasn't been that... Um, uh, should, they don't show it enough. I mean, it was today... Actually, I think it was the first time today that I saw a Swedish reporter in, in Sportbladet that had written about Sweden's analysis ahead of this game. Um, they're, they're finally going deep. Uh, so, but, but when they, they won the gold medal in the World Cup uh, 2019, I mean, it was so many people that showed up in Gothenburg when they arrived back home. Uh, and I hope... I mean, it, it's... It's a special time we're living in right now <laughs> with a pandemic going on and all, but uh, I hope Sweden will find a way to really show their appreciation uh, if they go ahead and win this medal. We wish you all the very best in that final. It's going to be a great spectacle, a great occasion for both Sweden and Canada. Um, and either way, gold or silver. Mia Eriksson, Swedish football journalist, speaking to me there. Um, Alicia, it's been grand having you on again. We always love having you. Not so many nicknames today. <laughs> no, not as many, but um, I'm glad I can keep educating on them hoops. Yes. What's your nickname for me, in. Alicia? Because I feel like I've dodged a bullet here or I feel like I'm not part of the inner sanctum of Alicia Ferguson. Yeah, Kate, I don't think, because your last name's Borso, you'd be something like Borso, which might not be as, no. like, as yeah, attractive. The Bors. Or- the boss is what, yeah. The boss, the yeah. boss. I like the boss. Okay, you are now the boss from now on. That's it. <laughs> the boss and hoops. I, I can tell she's, she's absolutely thrilled with that, Alicia. I can tell. <laughs> I think it's better than Borso, isn't it? Oi, Borso. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Um, we will have two more shows. I think it's worth reminding our listeners um, before we sign off completely. So there will be a bronze medal show. Um, we'll go full in, two-footed. <laughs> on the bronze medal match between Australia and USA and then we'll do so again for the gold medal match so do join us for that Uh, you can get a subscription to The Athletic for 33% off by heading to theathletic.com forward slash offside and that works out at just £3.33 per month and it gives you access to all their great football content all of our podcasts as well ad free cheap as chips 
That's what it says in the script. Thanks very much for today. Um, enjoy the next few days. I'll speak to you, Kate, in, the, in a couple of days' time. Yes, speak to you then. You've been listening to the Offside Rule Olympics edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Offside Rule by going to at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers at theathletic.com forward slash offside. The Offside Rule Olympics edition is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.